Well, I want to start a new series tonight out of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to go through the whole book. It's an exciting book, one of the most exciting books. And it's a life-changing book, as all books are in the Word of God. I heard about an uh, illustration given by Vance Habner uh, on the second coming. And he was talking about a woman who was waiting at the train station for a, uh, her fiancé to come on that particular train. He was coming on that train, and they were going to get married uh, very soon. And she was there waiting for the train, waiting for the train, looking, listening, and longing. And then there was an old uh, station master there also, and he had all the charts. He had all the schedules. He knew all about the facts about the train coming. But, oh, he was not expecting like she was because her bridegroom, was on that train. And I thought that was a great illustration about the spirit of a bride and the spirit of a station master. I want the spirit of a bride. I want the spirit of one that's anticipating being with one that I have longed and loved to be with all my life. Amen? And you know, I believe he could come any minute. And let me just say this, 25% of the Bible is about prophecy. And 25% of it now, that's one out of four verses, uh, point to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if our preaching is biblical, about one out of four messages ought to be on the second coming. And uh, it's not preached on much. And hell's not preached on much. But I wanna say this, the doctrine of the second coming should change your life. If, you, if the doctrine of the second coming doesn't change your life, then you really don't believe he's coming. Because I believe he could come any minute. And there's several parables in the New Testament about servants with their talents hiding one and losing it all. Then others have five and get gain 10, and others have 10, gain 20. And he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant over those that invested their life. So he's coming as an investor. He's invested his life in you. You've been saved by the grace of God. And the second coming ought to be a doctrine that literally revolutionizes your life. So how many believe that Jesus could come any minute? Say amen. And if you don't believe that, you need to read the Bible because the Bible tells us there is no prophecy that needs to be filled, fulfilled for the rapture of the church. That's the catching away. That takes place seven years before the second coming, amen? And there's a big difference in the rapture and the second coming. And there's a tribulation in between those two. And you don't want to be left here for the waiting room of heaven or, or hell, or you don't want to be uh, in, in Revelation 6 through 18. If you're not saved, I want you to go home and I want you to read at least chapter uh, nine of the book of Revelation. And I'm not trying to scare you into being saved, but I want to tell you something. If I was not saved and I read Revelation 9 through 16 and the tribulations described in 6 through 16, not one time will you see the church mentioned, by the way, all you post-millennial, all-millennial people. I don't think we have any in this church because I preached 42 years doctrine. I hope that you got that straight, amen? We're pre-trib, pre-tribulation, pre-millennial Christians, amen? We believe that we're going to be caught up in a twinkling of an eye and not spend one minute in the tribulation. 
That'd be like the bridegroom beating up the, beating up the uh, wife for three and a half years and then trying to love her. No, we're not going not, not to be in any of that wrath that's poured upon the Christ rejectors and the Jews that rejected him. So I want to give you a few things in chapter one. Let's stand on the word of God and we'll read all, ver- all uh, 10 verses. And I want you to really meditate on this. I want you to get excited about this series on 1 Thessalonians. I'm not sure when the last uh, series I preached on 1 Thessalonians, but after this pandemic, I really don't care because I really believe this is one of the signs of the time, what we're going through. Also, the riots in the streets and also the awful, terrible uh, political party that is promoting killing babies is a, is, a, is a sign of the last days. I told you I wasn't going to hold back no punches. Uh, if you want to wear your feelings on your shoulders, you need to get biblically right. But I want you to look at this, verses 1 through 10. The Bible says this, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus, or Timothy, unto the church of Thessalonica, Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in, key word, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace, always in order, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks always to you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, underline the word faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us, listen to that, and of the Lord, having received the word of much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And so ye were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia and Acadia. And it says, for from you sounded, sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Acadia, but also in every place, your faith to Godward is spread abroad so that we do not, we do not need to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living God, living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for this exciting chapter, this challenging chapter of how our lives should be drastically and radically affected by the doctrine of the second coming. Lord, we really believe that the trump could sound any second. It could sound before this service is over. And God, if every, every believer believed that, there would be a wonderful demonstration of your power and your grace. There'd be a light in this dark time that would be um, a great testimony of our belief. And so dear God, help our belief to affect our behaving. And God, help us to realize that you could come any minute. And if you can come any minute, and you will, you could. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd find us faithful and find us serving and find us steadfast, separated, sharing the gospel and sure as we can be that we're saved, saved, saved. So Lord, bless this series. And thank you for these chapters we're about to study together. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I am really excited of the attendance tonight. I thought it would be about five of us. I really did because there's about 80 of them back there, you know. And uh, thank God for you being here. It's really an encouragement to my soul because usually we have a, everybody back in the back and you're here today and it's great. So I want you to see, first of all, if you really believe the soon coming of the Lord, the rapture, uh, you will be serving the Lord. You'll be serving the Lord. The Bible says in verses um, uh, 3, uh, it says this. It says, remembering without ceasing your walk of faith, your work of faith, excuse me, and your labor of love and the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of God in our Father. There's three things he commends about these Christians. And let me just say this, this is the sign of mature Christians. Every epistle, I challenge you to do this, every epistle before the opening paragraph is finished, you'll find three things that Paul always commends. What are they? They're found in this verse, love, hope, and faith. And 1 Corinthians 13, the last verse says that, that love is the greatest, charity is the greatest, and it never fails. And so Paul begins in 1 Corinthians to admonish this wicked, backslidden church called Corinth that they need to have more love, more faith, and more hope. So our church is never going to be judged by nickels and noses and dimes and attendance and, all the, and, and the facilities, even though I think they're beautiful. Uh, folks, our church, you, me, will be judged, especially in these last days, on how much love we have. And no, folks, and, and it's, a, it's a labor of love and how much work of faith that we have and how much patience of hope. I don't know about you, but my patience has been tested in the last six months. Can somebody say amen? And if you have 16 kids cooped up in your house, you have really been tested. Some of y'all are looking a whole lot older than you did six months ago, amen? The stress has got you. I mean, you're aged, you're, you're on your last leg. No, not really. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Fred, uh, it's stressful times. And we can make it a whole lot more stressful. And I would never do that in the house of God. I believe it ought to, you ought to have peace and joy and purpose. And a lot of people say, well, I don't think we ought to have any restrictions. That's what stresses me. Well, uh, you have to answer to God for that, and I'll have to too. And so we're just going to go on until... God tells us to free it up. But I'll tell you this, friend, we need to serve God as a practice of faith. We need to work till Jesus comes. And folks, uh, uh, the word work, have you ever worked some people that didn't like to work? Uh, the other day, somebody was helping me paint a deck, and I, I, I truly thought he was on something because he never stopped talking for three and a half hours, and he never stopped working. He wouldn't even take a break. And I just kept feeding him coffee and caffeine, and praise God, maybe that was it. And he just kept on painting. And I kept on painting with him, and I was going to stay up with him because nobody's going to outwork me when I work on my house because I just feel like it's part of my responsibility. But I want to tell you something, friend. We don't need to work because we're energetic. We don't have to need to work because we've got some adrenaline or some caffeine. Some of y'all can't even get up out of bed without caffeine. You'll have it piped into you, amen? Praise God. Some of y'all addicted to that stuff. Let me preach against coffee for a little bit. No, not really. Uh, but, you know, uh, thank, I'm only kidding. Uh, visitors, I'm only kidding. But, um, 
you know, drink all the coffee you want, all the tea, I don't care. But uh, folks, listen, the practice, our, our work should be by faith. Number one, we ought to realize it's never in vain, that our labor is not in vain. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. We ought to have faith in our service too, that it's urgent. Folks, listen, you ought to work like those people work down in Florida and Mobile and uh, when they started putting sandbags in front of their house and boards on their window, they weren't nonchalant about it. The storm was coming. The flood was coming. And folks, I want to tell you something. The wrath of God is coming. And everybody left after the rapture are, are going to go through the tribulation. Demonic beasts stinging people for nine months and death taking a holiday. Hailstones, 125 pounds hitting this earth. Malignant disease without cure. Does that sound familiar? And a pestilence, that's what the Bible calls it. And friend, there's a lot of things going on that's getting us used to this. Maybe even the mark of the beast and government control a little bit more. Amen. Some of y'all don't like that, but I'm going to say it anyway. We get used to a lot of things. There's a, there are certain parties that want to uh, try to restrict us even more. And I think we ought to uh, be sensible and safe, but I don't believe we ought to tell... Let anybody tell us we, we can't worship God. We can't come to church. I'll fight that with everything I got in me. And I pray for Jack Treber. And I pray for that dear church over there that's shut down and, and uh, their school shut down and they're back in the parking lot. And with a broken heart, he preached from that parking lot. And he, and he, and he, and he did this. He encouraged everybody to honk. I, I didn't let anybody honk because I was afraid I couldn't preach over your honking. And I know some of y'all, y'all just lay on it, praise God. Especially after 30 minutes, y'all just lay on the horn. You know? and, uh, and man, he wants, he said, hey, if y'all agree with that, honk your horn. And hundreds of cars were honking their horn. I said, that's so sad. Because this fellow was very careful and very separated and very uh, uh, submissive to the law and to the CDC and everybody else. And they still shut him down. That's the last days. The last days. And folks, you better get used to it. If, you want to miss, if you're going to miss the rapture, you're going to really get shut down by the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to tell you how to live, where to buy groceries, or you can't buy groceries. They'll control your life, every bit of it. And so, folks, listen, uh, don't get too used to this. This is going to be over soon. But if you want to really get used to it, just miss the rapture, and you will be in bondage the rest of your life. And you'll be in starvation, and you'll be in a terrible thing called the tribulation. So we ought to have faith that labors, a faith that works with urgency. So we ought to have faith that serves knowing that it's going to take uh, root and knowing that God's going to bless it and knowing if the, the word of God will never return void, knowing that uh, soul being saved is more important than anything else. Uh, some people I know are going to criticize us opening up the children's ministry. I know they are. I've already heard some of it. And, you know, I expect it. But I want to tell you something, friend. If they knew the, the story I knew and knew some of the things that I can't share about some of the things the children have went through and tried to do, uh, you, would, you would open it gladly to save that little girl's life and that little boy's life that's uh, in desperate situation for some emotional help and some spiritual help and some just love. Amen. And I've, I've been making some visits with Miss Connie on the front porch. We don't go in, and we don't take our mask off. But I want to tell you something, friend. I have never seen uh, little children uh, 
so happy and so glad to see uh, a couple of old people knock on their door. A 69-year-old preacher and a 68-year-old preacher's wife. And, and, they, and they wanted to hug us. Uh, one of them said, I feel like giving you a holy kiss. I don't know where in the world they got that. I said, don't you do it. I said, we're going to be distant. This is a six-foot rule. Praise God. I felt like, a, felt like so cold, you know, but you got to do it. I want to live. Somebody called me today and says, preacher, please be careful. Because he told me about another preacher that's uh, got COVID. I said, I'm being as careful as I can be, but if I get any more careful, I'm going to be a monk. You know, so <laughs> I'm just trying, you know. But I want to tell you something, folks, what a labor, what a labor, what a work. Um, it ought to be a, a work of faith. It does pay off. I love, the, I love to think about the nurses and doctors of our day. And I thank God for the police of our day. Let me get real, let me get real controversial for a second, amen? I mean, folks, two of them was gunned down in their car yesterday, and I want to say this, these blooming athletes they ought to pay some money to help their family. Oh, didn't like that, did you? I ain't preaching to be liked. But I'm going to say this, friend, it's, it's, it's crazy times we live in. Shut the police down. Why don't we shut the nursing home down? Why don't we, why don't we shut the hospitals down? No, folks, these nurses are laboring knowing that their work is essential. That moves them. Folks, listen, Miss Opal up there at uh, Quentin Memorial now with the, with the rehab. And uh, we, checked, we helped check it out for them. You know, there's only been one case in that whole place. And uh, these, these, these folks can't even have their family visit them. So who's going to take the place of the family? A good old nurse, a doctor that cares. And God forbid that we have doctors and nurses that it's just a job. Come on, say amen. I mean, they got to have some compassion today to be the family member, to hold up the phone when somebody's taking their last breath and let the family talk to their loved one. Folks, they're not just medically helping people. They're physically, emotionally, and I hope spiritually helping these people. Folks, that's a labor. That's a labor of faith. But also it's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. See, there's not only the practice of faith, but there's the price of faith of faith. And that's the labor of love. I want to say this, friend, faith and love go together. If you have faith in God, you love like God. If you have faith in God's salvation and his gospel, you treat people like sinners that need a savior and not prejudice towards them. Let's get, let's get equal here. Uh, not prejudice towards them, not, not, not uh, feeling holier than thou, I mean, friend, and realizing the justice of God's coming and that we need to spare him from the wrath of God. And the only person to do that is Jesus Christ. So it's a labor of love. It's a work of faith. And then last but not least, it's the hope. It's the patience of hope. Now, let me just say this. This is the only one that's not real proactive. But I want to tell you something, folks. The patience of love, the patience of faith is patience of hope. Um, we should never give up, and we should never give up hope. Uh, folks, we need to realize that uh, if we can reach one more soul, it'll be worth it. Do you really have a burden for souls? Folks, if you could see a person in tribulation or hell for five minutes, you would get a bigger burden for souls. We need to, have a soul, we need to, 
When's the last time you shared the gospel? When's the last time you handed out a tract? When's the last time you carried your New Testament instead of your cell phone in your pocket? Now, you can carry both, but I guarantee you won't, live, you won't leave home without your cell phone. You'll, go, you'll drive five miles to go back and get your cell phone. But you ought to drive five miles to go back and get your New Testament because that gospel is more important than your cell phone, amen? Unless your cell phone includes the gospel. But I like to show them the pages, amen? Where them highlighted. Going from page to page with the Word of God. So let me just close this first point by saying, folks, there's the practice of faith, work. There's the place, price of faith, labor. And then there's the patience of faith, and that's hope. Folks, I believe with all my heart that the blessed hope is knowing that Jesus is coming soon. Now, it's going to mess up some of y'all's schedule. It's going to mess up some of y'all's life. But Christ is your life. It won't mess up your schedule. It won't mess up your, it won't mess up your life because your life is Christ. Some people don't want the rapture to take place because they've got too many plans. But folks, God's will is better than your plans. And so number one, we ought to, if we really believe the second coming in this chapter, we ought to be serving. Then second of all, and I've covered most of this in verse four, five, and six, we need to be steadfast. We need to be steadfast in much affliction. Look at chapter 1, verse 4. It says, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Now, folks, he, he loved you before the foundations of the world. That's what the election means. And there's nobody predestined for a name for the foundation of the world to go to hell. Now, God knows for foreknowledge. And so, folks, election is something you can't explain, but I want to tell you something. I explain it this way. God knows I don't, so I'm witnessing everybody. Amen? And he loves whosoever will. And folks, I don't believe for a second that he has foreordained some to go to hell and they can't get saved. I believe whosoever can get saved. But folks, before the foundation of the world, he knew and he knows, and that blows my mind that he knows the future. And he can look back on the past from the future. He can see now from the future. He knows what's going to happen. And folks, I want to tell you something. His predestined purpose is for you to be like Christ and that's why all things work together for the good of them that love God. Romans 8, 28. Don't ever read it without 29. That you're predestined, foreordained to be like him once you get saved. So God uses everything in your life. Every heartache. Every uh, medical problem. Everything that's happened in your life to make you more like Jesus. He wants you to conform you to his image. Thank God. And folks, we need to let him have his way. And so we need to be steadfast, even when we don't like it. Look at verse, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in the word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what matter of men we were among you for your sake. And you know something? Everybody on your job knows what kind of matter of man you are or woman. But look at verse 6. This is thrilling. Chapter 1, you with me? And ye became followers of who? Us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now, folks, we need to be steadfast. And I'll tell you, first of all, we need to be steadfast in setting the example for the lost and dying world. Let me ask you this question. Who's going to believe a gospel if there's a bunch of hypocrites out there saying they're saved and they're not even living close to Christianity. 
They're not living close to godliness. Matter of fact, they're wicked. They're cheaters. They're, they're embezzlers. They're, they're liars. And they call themselves Christians. I won't tell you, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And folks, you're a light set up on a hilltop, but the Bible says that in verse 7, so that you were in samples to all that believed in Macedonia. And okay, you're a sample. You're an ensample. Now they shut this down, and I don't even go up to Sam's anymore because of it, but I like their samples. I like those little stands where you can go by and get free food. <laughs> Amen? I mean, little, little sausages on the stick. And what if they, what if they, uh, what if they gave you a sample of stale bad pork sausage. How many of you would run down the aisle and say, what, cap, what cabinet is that in? I mean, what, what, what freezer is that in? I need that spoiled sausage you just gave me a sample of. No. You'd say, forget that, lady, and you can keep your toothpick. I'm not going to take another bite of that, and I'm not buying anything else at Sam's. Matter of fact, I'm going to boycott it with the, with the rest of the people's boycotting everything in the world, and I'm going to get mad at this place, and here we go. No. Folks, listen, it all depends on the sample. You ought to wet people's appetite. You ought to be a salt. You ought to be a light. And you ought to be more salty than you've ever been, more, more full of God's light, and more full of God's um, faithfulness, and love, and faith, and hope than you've ever been. Why? Because the Lord's coming, and it's getting dark. It's the midnight hour. And folks, I want to tell you something. The only hope is that in your much affliction, and I guess we've been through some of it, but I believe this refers to some affliction we don't even know about. It's called persecution. It's been killed for Jesus' sake. Been tortured and stretched asunder and sewed up in bags of serpents. I still can't believe they did that. Put to torches to human bodies and make them lanterns. Uh, crucify them upside down. Feed them to lions. Have sports games. Everybody's all excited about the Braves. But how would you like to be excited about uh, killing Christians in a stadium? That's what, that, was the, that was the sports climate of the day. And here's these Christians undergoing that, being faithful, being full of love, and being full of hope, and being a sample, an ensample, an ensample. So let me just say this, friend. We need to be serving, but we need to be steadfast. If you don't give up, somebody's going to say, well, Christ must be real. But if you give up and you quit, their equation is God's not real because God wasn't big enough to keep brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so or my friend faithful when things got tough. See, the greatest thing you have in your life on this earth is your testimony. And if you lose your testimony, you've lost a lot. You ought to guard it, protect it, and if you do lose it, restore it. And that means get right with God and thank God there is grace and all of us has been there. Say amen, you Pharisees. We've all been there, praise God. We've all failed and God picked us up and God forgave us. And he'll forgive anyone that's broken and contrite and repentant. I'm not talking about this lip service. I'm talking about show it in your life. And so third of all, I see that we ought to be about sharing. In verse 8, I've already covered it. Uh, we need to be witnesses. We need to be soul winners. Praise God. We need to tell everybody about Jesus. 
uh, political season's coming up. We got 53 days left to save this country. Everybody's saying. And I'm, I believe it is the most critical election we ever had. And if you don't vote, I want to talk to you after the service, 17 reasons why you ought to vote. But I'll say this. More important than this election is that Jesus is coming. And that souls need to be saved. And half the politicians couldn't take the Bible out and show you how to be saved if their life depended on it. That's right. We lift them up as the saviors of the world. And then lately... Uh, they're the condemners of the world. They cause storms. They cause fires. They, you know, don't get me started on that junk. But I'm just saying, friend, folks, we need to be steadfast, but we need to be sharing. We need to be witnesses. And we need to realize, don't get your head in the heavens when it comes to prophecy. Let your feet hit the pavement. I'm saying, friend, we can get deep in the study of prophecy. And I'll give you some things you hadn't thought about probably, but I want to tell you something. God did not give you the doctrine of the second coming and the reality of the soon rapture to give you a big head, but a burning heart. Folks, souls are going to die and go to hell. Let me repeat that. Boys and girls and men and ladies that missed the rapture are going to hell. Second Thessalonians talks about they'll believe a delusion. I believe if you hear the gospel before the rapture, you'll believe a delusion after the rapture. You better get saved now. There is no second chance after the rapture. You'll believe a delusion. I'll prove that in Scripture later when we get to 2 Thessalonians. And so we need to be witnessing. We need to, we need to have be po proof positive evidence of the aliveness of God. We need to be bold. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. People will go door to door for their candidate and they won't go across the street for their Christ. Something's wrong. People will talk about their ball team all day long. And you know I'm a sports uh, fan. Two doodle bugs in the sand. I'm going to root for one of them to beat the other one. But friend, that's not the important thing. They're not the savior of the world even though they think they are. They don't have the answer politically they don't have the answer to social injustice. I'll tell you what, keep a policeman right and keep a criminal from getting in that position, get saved. Have, be filled with the Holy Spirit and let the Spirit of God help you treat people like you ought to treat people and help you not to get in a situation where you will have to get restrained, arrested, or beat half to death. Sin's causing all this trouble. But we want to blame it on this party and that party, and we want to blame it on this judge and this. Listen, don't blame it on anyone but, the, but sin and the devil. And what we need to do is send some ambassadors out on the street and win people lower. I'm not talking about during the riots. You'll get killed. I never thought America would be unsafe to, to walk in the streets after dark, but it is. That's a sign of the time. Iniquity shall abound in the last days. Let me hurry. We got to go. But I want you to see, fourth of all, that we need to be separated. The Bible says in verse 9, for they, they themselves showed of us the matter of entrance that we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. I want to talk a little bit about separation because we independent Baptists are known for being against everything. Somebody asked John R. Rice one time, said, are you against? And he said, yes. And I don't believe we ought to be that kind of Christian. Amen. 
But I'll tell you what we ought to be. We ought to be for God. And I want to tell you what real repentance is. It's turning to God. It's falling in love with God. It's having our hope in God. It's having patience in God. Folks, it's having the attributes of the Holy Spirit that we're so in love with God that we do think it's below our dignity to go with the cowards and go with the vultures. We need to fly with the eagles. We're living beneath our privilege if we're not separated. Folks, we need to take the high road, say amen. You are a product of who your best friends are. You hang around those friends, you chat with those friends, you, you, you do all that social media with your friends, they'll bring you down to the gutter, I promise you. You need to stay away from them. You don't need to socialize with them. You don't need, listen, separation is not just turning from sin, it's turning to God. And when you turn to God and love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, you don't want to sin. And if you do, you know it was a tragic mistake and you repent of it and you come back home. So folks, separation is turning to God and when you turn to God, you automatically turn your back to Satan. You automatically turn your back to the world. You automatically turn your back to the crowd and folks, to the flesh. You turn to God. And folks, well, what a testimony of this church that you've turned from God to God from idols. And then what does it say? To serve the living and true God. Now folks, if you've lost your first love, or excuse me, if you've left your first love, love, the evidence that you have back with your first love is you do the first works. You're no, you're no longer lukewarm. Some people, and, and they've said it to my face, and I, and I almost want to call them a liar, but I don't call people a liar to their face because I might get my face rearranged. But I'll, I'll take the word of God and prove that they have not come back to God. I'm going to tell you why. When somebody comes back to God, they do the first works. They become faithful. They at least come to church, say amen. They love to be here and they stay in the service during the whole service. They listen to the word of God. Hey friend, it's not just, well, I, sin, I sinned, I confess, and now I'm gonna live just like I want to. That's not confession and that's not repentance. That's earthly sorrow, but not godly sorrow. And folks, I wanna tell you what real separation is. That you realize your sin has offended God and you love God so much that you're not going to send people to hell by losing your testimony. Amen. I'm preaching to myself now. I've got three fingers pointing back at myself. and Sometimes I've almost lost my testimony, getting mad, getting impatient with people. You ever been there? Come on. And getting upset. And really saying what I really think. One time a lady joined our church and she warned me. She said, I want to tell you something, Brother Wayne. I say everything I think. I didn't believe her. But guess what? She said everything she thought. When I didn't do something exactly the way she thought she would, she'd meet me at the door and let me have it. And I just sit there and smile. And I said, I'm going to sick my wife on you if you don't hush. And, uh, you know, and, and she said everything she thought. If I said everything I thought, y'all would boot me out of this town. I have to sometimes confess that I'm not thinking right. I got to confess that I really have some anger. I got to confess I really got some bitterness. I got to confess sometimes I really just don't care. And then I get right with God, I really care. Have you ever been where you just didn't care? You didn't think you was that callous, but you just didn't care. You didn't care if you went to church or not. You didn't care if you read your Bible or not. You didn't care if you witnessed or not. You didn't care if your neighbor was going to hell or heaven or, or not. 
You're just living your life. You're all wrapped up in this problem. You're all wrapped up in this pandemic. You're all wrapped up in this trouble. Folks, we need to realize that God has called us to be separated unto Christ. What's the word holiness mean? I'm going to tell you what the word holiness means. It means godliness. But let me tell you what godliness means. God-likeness. And so when you like God, when you love God, you want to be like God. Amen? You turn from idols in your life. You turn from the world. Let me close by saying this. Not only should we be separated, but last but not least, we need to be sure. We need to be sure. If you've ever been sure of anything, you need to be sure of your salvation. Listen to me. Don't be 99.9% sure. Be 100% sure because if you died and went to hell and you said, I thought I was 99% sure, you're still going to be in hell the rest of your life. You need to be absolutely assured of your salvation. Look at verse uh, 10. It says, and to wait for his coming from heaven... When he raised from the dead, even Jesus Christ, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Notice that. It said from the wrath, it's delivered us from the wrath to come. It didn't say, well, I hope I'm saved. Well, I'm working on being saved. I've asked many people, if you died today, you know you go to heaven. They say, well, I hope so. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's too important just to hope so. You need to know so. And the Bible says you can know that you're saved. You ought to be absolutely 100% sure that you're ready for the rapture. Because I'm going to tell you something. After the rapture takes place, or after you take your last heartbeat, and there's many people dying around here, you better believe that there's only one way to salvation. It's found in verse 1. It says, The Lord Jesus Christ, grace be unto you, and peace from God. But back up, it says, the Thessalonians, which is, which is in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a powerful word, that two-letter two word, in Christ. Not that you believe about Christ, but you believe in Christ. Folks, if I believe about someone, I put my life in their, in their, in their, uh, my life in their hands. I followed their doctrine. If I believed that that guy used to live, uh, Khrushchev, a communist, I become a communist. If I believed in him and his doctrine. Well, to believe in Christ means that you repent. It means you turn, you're not saved by works, but you have a faith that works. There is a change in your life. Therefore, if any man be Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass, well, all things come new. Listen, friend, if you're not absolutely sure that God changed your life miraculously and that you was birthed into the kingdom of God, then you need to pray. And you need to get some counsel. And you need to be sure. Because it's too long of eternity to spend in hell thinking you were going to heaven. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Nobody wants to go to hell. And there's a, listen, I want to tell you something. In the shadow of the steeple, that's a great song. In the shadow of the steeple, many people are dying. Many people. Our best neighbor, Mr. Hampton, he worked on everything in this church. The only time he'd come in this church was to work with me on things like plumbing and carpet and all kinds of stuff. He helped lay the cup, carpet squares right there in that room. And I'll never forget the day the ambulance pulled in his driveway. He had an aneurysm. 
of the main artery of the heart, I think. Maybe it was near the stomach or something. And he bled out before he got to Hamilton Medical Hospital. And I was rushing up there to ask him one more time, Mr. Hampton, please be saved. I mean, the house right here. I said, please, in the shadow of our steeple. I said, please be saved. I want to say one more time, please be saved. I witnessed to him and witnessed to him and witnessed to him and witnessed to him. We had a great Easter play. I mean, there was 500 people here. Uh, and it was on hell, and, the, you know, the, and I was so excited he promised to come. And he brought his whole family, came to the door, and when he got to the door, he turned around and went back home. I believe that was the night that he would have got saved if he had only come in and heard the gospel. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to be very sure. Then there's a lot of people in Dalton that they join a church, go to church every, every day, every day. And they think they're saved because they worship Mary or they worship the Ten Commandments or they go to the First Baptist, Second Baptist, or Third Baptist, or Fourth Methodist Church. And they think because they're a church member or they've been baptized as a baby that they're going to heaven and one day they're going to wake up in the tribulation saying, what in the world am I doing here? Be very sure you know the way of salvation and it's in Christ through the grace be unto you and the peace from God our Father. Look at verse 5. It says, for our gospel came unto you. What's the gospel? That's the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It came in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and much assurance. Much assurance. You ought to have much assurance in this first chapter, if you don't get anything else out of this chapter. Get this. You need to be saved. You need to be sure that you're saved. And the source of salvation is the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of preaching tonight. This very simple message, but this very urgent message on the rapture of the church. Lord, we'll get in detail what the rapture is and who's going to be missing and how quick it's going to take place. Uh, in chapter 4, it's described in verse 13 through 18 in the best way I know. And Lord, I pray, dear God, that this first chapter has awakened us to serve you, to be steadfast, oh God, to, to be sure of our salvation and to be separated from this world and be a light and a sample that's rich and flavorous, a salt that hadn't lost its savor and a light that's not blinking off and on, but a constant, consistent, loving testimony that you're coming, and you're coming soon. And you better be ready. With every head bowed, every eye closed tonight, I'll let you out about 15 minutes early, but y'all can fellowship at a distance if you want to. But let me ask you this. Do you know you're saved? If you died today, you know you go to heaven. Or if the rapture, that's when the trump of God sounds, the dead Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and me shall be caught up, and the rest of you will be left for the tribulation and then to hell. And I don't want to be left behind. There's a series recently by Tim LaHaye, a bunch of books on don't be left behind. Well, I don't be left behind. And how many say, preacher, I know for sure that if the trump of God sounded right now, the trumpet sounded from heaven, and all of a sudden everybody was caught up in a twinkling of an eye, that's one ten thousandth second, I'd be among the missing. I know I'm saved.
Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? Amen, amen, that's good. Nobody look around now, this between you and God. Yes, I see those hands, be very sure. Amen. How many glad you saved, say amen. How many saved, preacher, to be honest with you, I'm not saved. I'm really not saved. I've never had a time in my life where I trusted the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, and my life changed. Now, I was saved when I was a little kid, so I didn't stop robbing banks or running around with women because my mother would have killed me if I'd done something like that. I was a good boy, but I was still a sinner, and I still need to be saved even though I was good. And I wasn't as good as people thought I was. But how many would say, preacher, I'm not saved, but I sure would like to be saved? Wouldn't it be great to start this series with somebody getting saved? You'd slip your hand up and say, I'm just not 100% sure that I'm saved, but I want you to pray for me. I won't come to you, I won't embarrass you. I want to do the most I can do for you. I want to pray for you. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer and then back down if you're not 100% sure? And I want to do the most I can do for you. I want to pray for you. Anyone? Anyone? Real quick. Anyone? Think about it. All right, all hearts clear? That's good. How many knows somebody that's lost? Maybe they're religious. They're a good person but they're lost. Maybe there's somebody that's not a good person. I mean, they're just wicked. I mean, they love their sin. They're not, they're not, they're not trying to even to, to live a, a good moral life. They're just lost, lost, lost. And you have a burden for them and God's put their name on your heart, their face right in front of your face and your burden for their soul tonight. And you'd say, preacher, I know God wants me to pray more for them. I want you to pray with me for them. Would you slip your hand up on their behalf? God bless you, sir. You, sir. You, ma'am. You, sir. You, ma'am. God bless you. Somebody in your neighborhood, somebody in your school, somebody in your family. I got some family members I'm not sure saved. I mean, the reason is they never go to church, they never want to go to church, and they never speak of God. And they never, they never do anything for the Lord. I think they're lost. I'm not judging. I'm just fruit inspecting. Anybody else say, preacher, I know someone. Have me say, uh, God bless you, young lady. God bless you. You can, reach, you can reach a lot of people in your school. Have me say, preacher, I'm, these last days, God's burdened my heart to be not just a burden, Christian, with souls on my heart, but I want to be separated. I want my testimony to be real. I want my testimony to be fervent. I want, I want to be like a sounding of that trumpet. I want to be a warning to the lost, but I want to, I want to do it because I love them and I love God and I want to, I'd love to see them go to heaven. And I'd love to see my life count as a testimony to them. And I want you to pray with me that I'd just be closer to God and more full of the Spirit and full, more overflowing with His love in these last days. I want to be a better witness I want to get my life separated unto God with everything that's in me. I want to yield to Him. And that's your prayer tonight. Anyone? You're a Christian, but you want to get closer. Amen. Amen. Several. Amen. I'll raise my hand with you. I want to get closer. I want my prayer life to be more fervent. I want to spend more time in the Word. Amen. I want to be more bold, but I want to have compassion to speak to people when I'm afraid to. Father, Thank you for laying this message on my heart. Thank you for laying this wonderful chapter on my heart. Because Lord, if there's ever a time that we need some witnessing, fervent, faithful, loving, 
separated, but Lord, solid, sure Christians. It's right now in these last days. God, I never thought we'd live in a day that's so wishy-washy and so wicked. Never thought we'd live in a day where people even consider killing babies. There's less campaign for it. I never thought we'd live in a day where people would endorse men with men and ladies with ladies for a lifetime and let them adopt babies. God, help us. Never thought our country would get this wicked. God, we need revival. We need you. And we need Christians that'll go out and walk the walk and not just talk the talk. See souls saved for your glory. In Jesus' name.